Welcome to another episode of the On The Clock NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Shannon, here with Damian and Eugene. How are you guys doing today? We all good. All good, all good over here. Good. Getting yeah. closer to some sports. NBA, well, well, you know, I just got an alert from Bleach Report. NBA, they're talking about the, some of the players not sure if they want to play and all this stuff like that. Like, oh, what? my God. I don't have – you know what? Don't we don't got time that. for this. Don't, don't tell yeah. me that. Yeah, don't, yeah they don't play that. that. Yeah, don't play. You know, don't don't play, play. bro. Like, I'm pretty sure the dude that's your backup is gonna be right there. Like, okay, want to play, right? And with with the with the NBA players, don't they have to play to get paid? Like, I know, I know they said a couple of players, mostly um, LeBron's age, what's his name, Rich Paul. Most of his his players already got Mm -hmm. most of their money. But what about all the other guys? Like, don't they need to continue to work to get paid? I, yeah, I but they're gonna come so. up with some phantom injury. They they gonna have a, you know, we're gonna have a hangnail or something like that. Look, all I know is game. all I know is the Lakers better not pull that crap. Okay, that's all I know. We gotta win this championship. Yeah, they, oh, they gonna try to steal a championship. <laughs> that's what they gonna try to do. They got yeah, they gotta go through a bad jump, man. Everybody got time for that, bro. I need I need some basketball. I need some real like. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I sat there and watched the top rank boxing last night. Um, yeah, that was a good fight. Still, I saw that yeah, last that fight. Good. Yeah, listen, yeah. bro. Oh, my gosh. It, 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 it's it seems you eat your itch a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm gonna watch it tomorrow bit. night too. Uh, you know, yeah. got some nice got some nice uh some bouts on the card, so I'm gonna be watching that tomorrow yeah. night. It's weird I, watching them with no fans though. Right. It is. I it prefer is, to watch man. I prefer to watch that with no fans than watch wrestling with no fans because I've been watching wrestling since ain't really been nothing new. And every time I turn, I'm like, this is so weird. Like, oh, you gotta have wrestling to? with no fans. Like, who are you? Yeah, they it's... still be talking to the crowd. Like, who are you yeah. talking to? There's <laughs> <laughs> three people there. <laughs> Listen, like, yo, it's the janitor. Like, who are you talking to over there? Right, like, come right. Come on, man, cut it out. But yeah, no, nah, I'm mean, uh, getting close to some sports. Hopefully, so I'm, I'm hype. I'm happy and I'm hype. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and another, you know. In the sports world, we all know what happened um, this past weekend, and we'll talk about that today. Um, starting with Drew Brees' comments and what happened with Dabo Sweeney, and uh, what do you guys think about how it may impact them for the season? So, before we do that, let me just give a little background of what was said, so that mm-hmm. and then if anybody listening don't know, they can know. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Brees did an interview, and he was asked that. Um, what does he think about the potential of players kneeling again in the 2020 season, um, you know, based on what's, what's transpired in the past two weeks and, and beyond two weeks? And basically what he said was he would never agree with anybody disrespecting the flags of the United States or our country. And then he went on to say about how he feels, he used I and my grandfather and, and all about him and how he felt about it. And as we know, he got a lot of backlash from his teammates, former teammates, um, fans, analysts, like nobody appreciated what he said because he, he again, took it away from what we all know it was really about. It's not about the country. It's not about the flag, the military. So we all know it's not about that. But by him saying that, it, it made it that conversation again. Um, so he did apologize. He released a statement. Most people were like, whatever. Um, he talked to his teammates again, and then he released like a video statement again saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. We don't want to hear it. Um, he talked to Shannon Sharp, who now all of a sudden forgives him or accepts it, however you want to look at it. Um, I, I don't agree with that, but that's his thing. Um, and, and and that's the thing with Drew Brees. He, he said what he said. He apologized. And now we're in a situation where it's, do you accept it? You respect it? How do you feel about his apology? And then with Dabo Sweeney, um, it came out that a coach had ended up using the N-word. 
um, with the player, not necessarily calling the player N-word per, per Debo, um, but just repeating what the player said and saying, don't say that to so-and-so. Um, Debo says that it was not um, something they were trying to hide and that he would immediately fire a coach if they did say that. Um, but Debo also talked about warning his players of a possible sit-in. Um, they must have had some sort of protest going on down at Clemson. Um, and, and he was warning his students, uh, not saying he was he was very careful in saying I would never tell someone not to. But he was basically saying, um, you're not the average Joe, like know who you represent, know what you represent and how that might come across to everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, he wore a football matters T-shirt, which we all can look at that and side eye it because that's just like saying all lives matter or blue lives matter when you're saying black lives matter. Mm-hmm. So. I say all of that to say, gentlemen, what were what were your thoughts, what were your opinions when you heard what happened with Drew Brees, Devil Sweeney, and do you think it will have any effect on the season um, coming up for either team? You called on me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you had to get it ready. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take my deep breath. Uh, so, mm-hmm. unlike Shannon, like, First, let me go ahead and put it out there. I'm a forgiving person. I'm from South Carolina. I've seen racism, bigots. I've, I'm a matter of fact. I'm gonna tell you guys a quick story. So, in in high school, I was uh, I was dating this uh, this young white girl, um, and (laughs) I was in like I think I was in like ninth grade, ninth grade. So we're you know we got gym together, stuff like that. So, um, you know we. Some of the guys from I play ball, play basketball with things like they were all in the same class. So, well, so she comes up to me and she tells me that um, one of the guys who I was cool with, you know, he's a white guy. His name was Hunter, and she said Hunter called her a uh, in lover with the hard er. So, mm. so I was like, oh, no. I said, no, you can't be. I was like, not not my boy Hunter. I know Hunter wouldn't say nothing like that. So. Um, she was like, she's crying and stuff. So I, you know, go into the locker room and it's Hunter and his little, you know, he's one of those little, one of those preppy guys, right? So it's him and his little prep, little prep buddies. So I walk in mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I pretty much like I was heated and, uh, I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but, um, you know, things, you, know you know, uh, we, we had a stern, stern conversation. Let's put it like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he cowered down. He was like, you know, I, you know, I asked him, I said, did you say this? And he's like, no, no, you know, it was it was a joke. And I was like, yeah, no. And, and I say that to say this, like, I've, so I've heard the apologies, right? So mm-hmm. I firsthand heard the apologies. And more more cases than one coming from where I come from. And, you know, the, the main thing is that they want us as black people to, to be so receptive of the apology and to be so forgiving. I'm fine. Listen, I'm fine with forgiving forgiveness because you can't move on without forgiving. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. That's just a mm-hmm. part of that's a part of maturity. It's a part of healing. Um, you know, working in mental health, I will always tell some of our patients, listen, I don't care if it was your mom that did you wrong. I don't care if it was your brother, whoever hurt you, forgive them so you could heal. Right. But never forget, because you don't want them to try and take advantage of you and have a repeat of behavior, right? So for me, I get it. Shannon Sharp talked to, to Drew Brees for however long he talked to him. 
I'm a forgiving person, but I'm not forgiving right now. Um, for me, I've heard these uh-huh. apologies before. So it's, 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 and, and to, it's, it comes off really well when someone's articulate enough to create an apology and, and stage it and, and, and format it and put it in a bow and say, here's your gift. I apologize, right? It, it sounds really good. Yeah. It feels like it's coming from the heart. Mm-hmm. But what, what actions are coming from coming with that, right? So for me, Drew Brees, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm gonna sit here and just hold it for, hold it against him for the rest of his life. I mean, he said these comments before. Let's not forget. He just doubled down mm-hmm. on them. You know, he just doubled down mm-hmm. on them. Until and that's and that's he got my the backlash. Issue that's yeah. my issue. The doubling down. So that's my, that was my thing is I questioned the apology because it's like, okay, did you guys not have this conversation in your locker room before? Did Michael Jenkins and the rest or whoever was in your mm-hmm. locker room, did these guys not talk to you when you said that BS the first time? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I personally question how authentic is the apology. Now, I'm going right. to give him the benefit of the doubt to give him the moment and the opportunity in this up and coming season and everything else to prove his actions. If he goes out there and, and and he goes out there, his team kneels and he kneels with them at, you know, during the national anthem. Okay. That's a step in the right direction. You know what I mean? Coming from a guy who brings up his grandfather, my great grandfather fought in world war two. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't, I kneeled in high school before it was popular. So I'm just saying like actions speak louder than words, Drew. And when it comes down to Dabo, yeah, I, um, yeah, D- hmm. Dabble, Dabble's whole statement was fraudulent to me, um, and and trying to spin it. The the thing that really got me was a football matters T-shirt. Like I I get it, you're a college football coach and you want got you want to get back to football, but at this time, one thing I we always like the only thing that me me and my partners always like to say, um, you know, gauge the room, like, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. gauge the room and understand what is going on before you start doing just idiotic tactics. So it's like, yeah, okay, we all want football to come back. I want football to come back. You want football to come back. Eugene wants football to come back. But we have to we have to address the issue at hand. George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor's death, you know what I'm saying? Which we still want justice for her. And, and, the, and the countless mm-hmm. other black men and women and young kids that have been killed by police officers and their dirty tactics, we want this stuff addressed first. So mm-hmm. let's get to the just get to the to the bottom of that, and then we can go ahead and get get closer to football when we get we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So his shirt, his statement, everything to me, to me for me personally, I never really was a Dabo fan. Um, he came off as, as as someone that tries to appropriate the culture sometimes, um, mm-hmm. and, and you watch him with his little TikToks and all the stuff like that, thinking that he's cool and think, you know, bro, cut it out, okay. You're like a 65-year-old man. Act your age um, <laughs> and, 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 and stop stop the pandering. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we, we get it. You got all these all these young black men, four or five-star recruits coming in day in and day out to your program. But for me, I'm like, you shouldn't have to pander. The checks you cutting is good enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Eugene, what do you think? Um. All right. So, first of all, Dabo, um... I mean, we can, we can. I mean, I'll be all right if I never hear Dabo speak again. I, I mean, I don't, I don't need his opinion on anything. Just you know, you you just want to be a football coach. Go ahead, be a football coach. We um, 
the black community does not need a quote from Dabo Sweeney on social injustice. Nope. Uh, as far as the shirts go, he said that the football matter shirts were made in 2014, and you pick now as a time to wear the shirt with everything that's going on. I mean, how tone deaf can you be? Uh-huh. It's, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I, actually, the fact that he said they made those shirts so long ago is more of an, an indictment of the insensitivity because why do you pick to wear that shirt now? You had that right. in your closet for so long. You pick that today to wear a shirt. Today's your mm-hmm. football matters shirt day. Mm-hmm. No, um, the thing, the thing with the uh, coach, I get. I mean, the coaches are hyped. They're talking. They running their mouth. They probably hear the word flying around. Still, don't say it. Mm-hmm. You don't say it. Don't, don't let your don't fix your mouth to say those words. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. Plain and simple. Uh, even if he was repeating it, uh, I mean, I, I mean, from what I hear. The, the the player said, I blocked the wrong bleepity bleep. And the coach said, well, don't block the wrong bleepity bleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, how hard is it just to, to think before you speak? Right. Or or better yet, just eliminate that word from your vocabulary. I, I, it ain't hard. Uh-uh. It's not hard to do it at all. But uh, with Dabo, it's just like, okay, whatever, man. Go coach football. I'm not, I'm not going to Get bend over backwards over something Dabo Sweeney said because you know he's he he, he his view on, on America is based on his experiences which do not relate to our experiences in America right. Right. Mm-hmm. um with Drew um uh, like why why now Drew same thing us toned up why now Drew didn't you have this conversation uh Back then, when you were kneeling with your teammates, as we see in the, in the photo, you were kneeling with your teammates. Did you not know why you were kneeling then? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I get the frustration um, of it because it's like you still don't get it. It's trying. It's like you're trying to talk to somebody and they're just not getting it. You can you you draw, you draw, you draw them pictures, you write it down in the email, you read it to them, and they still don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, and we're tired of telling you. That's where the frustration comes from. That's where the anger comes from. It has nothing to do with disrespecting the flag. And I'm sure he's heard that before. He just doesn't want to accept it. Right. That's why this came out again. Because, okay, I understand you feel like you feel that way. You have family members that served in the military, which probably served next to black men as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we get it. And nobody's trying to disrespect the military. We thank the people in the military for their service. And they fight for our right to have protests like this. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what we are getting at. You have to know why Colin Kaepernick took a knee. And you cannot uh, bifurcate the argument as many have tried to do and say it's about the flag and the military. It is not. Like, people that say that are just trying to take attention away from what the real issue is, and that's us as a people fighting for our lives. That's what right. it is. That's what we That's what he nailed for, and that's why we're mad at Drew, because he's, he's shown that he doesn't get it. Right. Um, but, okay, he, he somebody somebody got to him, somebody talked to him, somebody explained why we're mad, and he, he had uh, you know, he had some PR guy write up an apology for him. He had some people... You know, shoot a video of apologizing for him. That's fine. 
whatever. The best apology that Drew Brees can get is changed behavior. Mm-hmm. Show us that you are that you are with this Black Lives Matter movement. You have a platform. You have the opportunity. You have the resources to. Okay, maybe you don't want to do something personally, but you can empower somebody else to do something. You can lead somebody else in in the right direction to help us out. It's, I mean, the words mean nothing to me. Do something. Right. Do mm-hmm. and and that takes time, and that takes time, and it takes time, and it takes effort. We really going to see whether, whether okay, maybe you just had an opinion right there, and you really do care about. Uh, what's going on? Or you just wanted to get away from the firestorm and let it all blow over? We gonna see. Time's gonna tell, right? Um, no, my, I, mm-hmm. I, let me let me say my part about them before we say how we think it's gonna impact them. Because I think for me, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if you guys saw what happened in Baltimore this weekend with the crab house. The owner, some racist things yeah. came out, and everybody mm-hmm. went to his crab house to protest. So when a Drew Brees comments came out, I was still on a high from that. So I, my my mind was just like, I'm tired of your apologies because that's the same thing that the crab owner did. He mm-hmm. tried to apologize. He tried to say, I'll pay for a black kid to go to college. We don't want your money. You know what I mean? And and even with Drew Brees, the first thing everybody wanted to say to defend him was, well, look at everything he does for the community. Well, I know somebody that played for the Ravens that a lot of black people hate and call them all types of C-words and everything else. And I mentioned this earlier this week in Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to debate with anybody. You can like him, don't like him. If you, if you have reasons why you don't like him, I will never debate you about why you don't like him. But the same reasons people don't like Ray Lewis and they're not giving him the benefit of the doubt, but you want to give it to Drew Brees? I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. Don't talk Don't talk to me about what Drew Brees do for the community. Ray Lewis do stuff for the community too. But y'all still call Groucho way to disrespect him so why should I accept Drew Brees for what he's saying? Like like you said, if you want to show it, show it. You've already showed it, and the first chance you got to really show it. I don't even care about what you do for New Orleans. I'm talking about really, really show that you got it. You decided mm-hmm. to say the same thing you said a couple of years ago. And the only reason he apologized was because of the backlash he got. So no, for me, it's not a matter of accepting it. Like, he ain't a friend of mine. I don't have to deal with him. I don't have to accept it. Exactly. But I, I don't even want I don't want the apology. All I've been saying since Saturday was no more apologies. Hashtag no more apologies. I don't want to hear it. Because at the end of the day, if nobody reacted to what he said, he wouldn't be apologizing. No. He wouldn't, he wouldn't think what he said was wrong. Would have went and on I, about I, his I, day. I, I feel like Maria Taylor and, and how I, I don't know if you guys quote what she said this week on ESPN. And if you didn't on first take, I would advise you to go see it because she she said everything. No, what was that last week or this week? Either way, she said everything that most of us are feeling. We don't want your apologies. I'm not trying to figure out what's in your heart. You said what you said, and I'm gonna take it for what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't need to see anything from Drew Brees. Just like I don't need to see anything from from from. And you all have heard me on this podcast saying that I like from, and I was rooting for him, and I wanted him to do well. Well, yeah. guess what? That changed. That's not yeah. happening no more. And not not to say that I'm saying I hope he does bad, but you don't have my support anymore. Because when you're amongst your friends and when you're with your people, we see how you talk. So you don't have my support. Drew Brees, you don't have my support. If you do want to keep going out here and apologizing, that's cool. You're going to do for New Orleans, that's cool. But it's not going to change how you really, really feel deep down in your heart. Because yeah. if it was true, when that man asked you, how would you feel about them kneeling again in the 2020 season, you would have said, 
you know what? A couple of years ago, I felt like this, but now I get it. Now, you, you know, that's how you show that you change. And then it wouldn't have been any reason for anybody to have that glance. And my thing with Shannon Sharp accepting his apology, accepting Drew Brees' apology is, if Dabo call you, you going to accept his too? Is that all it takes for you is a phone call? And a, I'm sorry, and I ain't mean it like that. I'm going to do mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. For you to then come on TV and do a whole 360? I don't understand that. That's why we don't get the respect that we're trying to demand because we're so easily forgiven, but that's that's what, that's what in us. We can't help it sometimes. Some things you need to just let go. When yep. that man said, I will pay for somebody to go to college here last weekend, I felt like that was pandering. I felt like that was a slap in the face. It was. One of the, one of the four fathers outside said, F him, I don't need his money. And it's the same thing with Drew Brees. Either you with us or you not. Don't be with us when it's convenient. Don't be with us because you got backlash. Be with us because you really, really legit understand how we feel. You know, and with Dabo, I don't really even know what to think about him because I feel like even his explanation didn't make sense. And then wearing that T-shirt was just like you said. It was like you told that. You you, you don't get it. Y'all just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw that um, Hopkins came out and said, you know, he's not racist or whatever. He was speaking on Dabo's behalf. I said it about Drew Brees this week. I would never say they were. I don't think that they're racist. That, I don't that, think so. You, you not getting our issues doesn't mean that you're racist. You just don't want to see it. You don't want to get it. Right. And it's, it's been explained to you over and over and over again since 2016, and you still don't get it. I, I, when I was um, seven years old when that happened with Rodney King, I'm 36 years old now. We're still dealing with the same stuff now. So it's like, same thing. It, I don't know what else we can do or say for, 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 for white people to understand our plight and what we go through and why we're upset and why we're protesting. So I'm sorry. I don't care about Drew Brees' apology. And, and I mean, it's not a matter of me holding it over his head. But like Damien said earlier, I will never forget what he said. I will never forget what um, Jake Frum said. I have an issue with the quarterback on the Bills right now. What's his name? Josh Allen. I forget what he said. I haven't forgot what Bosa's. For me, yeah, oh it's yeah. like, you can be as talented as you want to be. That doesn't mean you have my support. And those yeah. are some guys that just don't have my support because of the way they think. But we're all, we all have the right to have our own train of think. We can all think what we want. But when you're not for basic human rights, I have no use for you. And that's exactly. how I feel about them at this point. Yeah, and then that's where most of the outrage comes from. Is like it comes from the lack of understanding, and that's and that's where we have to come together and try and at least at the very least try to understand because our, we know Drew Brees came from a different walk of life than than uh, most of us did. So did the Bosa brothers and all of that. Mm-hmm. So they had different experiences, and they've had uh, they've had they have different understandings. They haven't seen things that we have seen or experienced mm-hmm. things that we have experienced, and vice versa. But we want to step forward and come together and have you understand our point of view and what we are going through. And you can tell us where, what your point of view and mm-hmm. that's where the true understanding comes from. And we get angry where you draw a line in the sand and say, yeah. I don't like that. That's not what I would do. And that's all there is to it. Right. That's where we have the problem that because you're showing you not willing to understand. Now we have a problem because mm-hmm. I need this done and I want you to understand and I'm willing to do this amicably, but you don't want to. That's when the anger comes in. Yeah, but I mean, but it's it. But but you know, people have the right to their opinions, and at this point, um, we we have we have what we need to make this Uh movie go forward. We don't we don't need we don't need uh, statements or tweets from celebrities or anything. We got people that's actually boots on the ground 
doing things to get this thing done. It's, they're, they're being bills that are being submitted. There are bills up for Congress. It is change in, uh, in legislature. It's, it's change. It's coming. We are working towards it. We don't need tweets from celebrities or coaches or athletes. It helps. I mean, I mean, if you want to be down for the cause, we with it. Come on in. Mm-hmm. But we're not looking for it because we're right. too busy working. We're too nice. busy working at, towards our goal. Right. But, you know, but just, to, but just to show the lack of understanding, that's where the anger comes from. When, we, when you show us that you just don't get it and you don't want to mm-hmm. get it, that's, that's where we get upset at. I mean... So... And, and, oh, go ahead, Damien. I'm going to say, for me, it's, you know, to before we kick it to the actual football side of everything... Mm-hmm. I'll say this. If you if you don't understand, let's look at let's let's look at what has transpired. So Kaepernick kneels. First he sits. Um I forget the, the young man's name, former military, Green Beret, tells him no, when the fallen so when a soldier is fallen, the fallen soldier dies, whatever the case may be, we kneel. Exactly. So then he kneels, mm-hmm. right? So he kneels, he uses this platform to create that conversation. Because uh, one thing, you know, in, in one thing, behavior health-wise, we stop having critical conversations. Everybody don't know how to have critical conversations because it's called making people uncomfortable. Um, so mm-hmm. when people don't want to be uncomfortable, right? You, you you don't deal with cops, you know, looking at you sideways or looking at your son sideways or you go into right. the store. Listen, I've worked I've worked in retail co- growing up. I've seen people that did not look like me that stole a whole lot more than people that look like me. You understand know what I'm saying? Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, but they're not the ones followed in the store. It's us. So if you, so Colin Kaepernick protests. Then you got, um, you, you got Pumpkin Face Trump out there, like you know, just antagonizing everything. Well, then stirring the guy, the pot. you know, stirring the pot. So now Kaepernick's out of a job. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and it, mind you, everybody that knows me knows I'm not a fan of Kaepernick the player. Never have been, never will be. Me. Me, um, me even, but he deserves to be in the NFL. <laughs> so then you tell, you say, well, you know, you don't, don't, do not protest peacefully during the national anthem. Keyword peacefully. So then, all right, you look at the riots um, uh, in Baltimore from the Freddie Freddie Gray situation. Well, rioting mm-hmm. and looting isn't the way to go. Okay, well, all right. Uh, we've been talking Which for way? a long time. We've been praying for a long time. We've been trying to be peaceful for a long time and then George Floyd happens and then it was just like that's the straw that broke the camel's back and everyone yep. not just black America understand what I'm saying let's go across the seas you got folks in the UK protesting the you world. got people all over the world looking at us as Americans <laughs> like what are you doing you understand what I'm yeah. saying right, so right. If you just th- and, don't, and, don't, and, look, and don't forget and don't forget Amar that, that all uh-huh. this yeah, exactly. around each other exactly. and, and, and Breonna like, Taylor was, all like, like the last sixty Floyd, days Floyd, of each other. Floyd was like Floyd was like the ice on the cake. We was already yes. made about this. Then this happened. Then yeah. that happened. It's like oh heck no. Oh yeah, no. It, was, <laughs> it was legit the straw that broke the camel's back. So yes. so we sit there and, and and my advice to anyone that doesn't understand is I'm of a different race. I don't care if you're white, you're Puerto Rican, you're Hispanic, you're Italian. I don't care what you are. Here's what you do. Shut up. Yep. Say mm-hmm. nothing. Just, we don't yep. need your words. Just <laughs> listen. Listen. Comprehend. See, here's the thing. We, I, living in South Carolina, we have hurricanes every year. Dear God, we do. 
And uh-huh. I lied to you now. When I was living in Myrtle Beach, every time a hurricane happened, we, we get hit with a big, heavy hurricane, category three, four, five, and it tears up some stuff. Everybody, black, white, Hispanic, everyone's together getting, getting sandbags, working and fixing homes. Why? Because it affected mm-hmm. every single Everybody, one of them. right. Mm-hmm. But because you don't have to worry about a cop pulling a gun on you on the side of the road, <laughs> this ain't my problem. So that's why I, that, I want you know to explain white privilege. That's how you explain it. When you and the rest of your community and everyone else deal with the same problem, you have remorse. But because you don't deal with it, you don't mm-hmm. you don't quite understand. Then you become illiterate. You don't you know, words. I don't understand words. Me speak no English. That's how you act. Like mm-hmm. that's where we that's where we get at. So for me, mm-hmm. that's my advice to anyone that wants to understand. Just shut up. Don't say nothing. I know shut up is a harsh word, but I don't care. Shut up. Say nothing. Just listen and understand. Yeah. Comprehend. <clears throat> empathize. Understand. Empathize. Sympathize yeah. with us. And, and let's come to a common ground so we can get where we need to go. Because if, I'm telling you right now, I've been saying this since Trayvon Martin. You keep doing this crap, these riots are going to get worse. The looting is going to yes. get worse. It will not just mm-hmm. be yes. businesses burnt down. It's going to be homes. It's going to be so much more chaos if you don't listen. I'm telling yeah. you, I, I've been saying this since Trayvon Martin. I called the Freddie Gray. I called it. I said, listen, Trayvon Martin is going to start these riots. The next one after that, that's publicized, that's, that's put out to the media, because there's more that, there's so many of them that don't get put out it's, in the media. There's so more that didn't get filmed, yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. not filmed so, or, or talked yep. about, but the next one, mm-hmm. it was Freddie Gray. Boom, riding all over Baltimore, right? Then you and guess uh, and guess who started that? Eric Garden. Guess who started that? And kids, kids started that right here. So that goes to show you, it's a whole nother generation. They ain't, they ain't, you know, they're not with the stuff. They, they no, like they, they whatever. are not they afraid. Don't care about a public yeah. car, buildings. They are not right? afraid. So, yeah, that's a fact. They, right, so, not at all. That's that's just all. That's that's my last piece on it. Just, just listen, man. Just listen to what your 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 black friends and coworkers and everything else. Um, are saying and, and, and how they're feeling because at the end of the day, it creates anxiety, it creates PTSD, it creates so many yeah, different yes. mental issues that people don't want to mm-hmm. discuss. You understand what I'm saying? I will give you another. I'll give you another quick example of white privilege. I'm sorry, guys. It, it just is what it is. My experience. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about it. In year decades ago, back where cocaine and, and, and crack and everything was just a rampage to the black community, it wasn't called an epidemic. It wasn't called a problem. It wasn't called an issue, right? Mm-hmm. But you fast forward 40, 50 years later, and, and now you have so many Caucasian kids shooting up on heroin and, and dope and fentanyl and car fentanyl and different things like that, losing their lives and taking pills that they have no business taking, not knowing what exactly would happen. Chasing that next high, not understanding mm. how to release and find a vice to get away from what they're dealing with. Now, mm-hmm. okay, it's an epidemic. We're dealing with a disease of addiction. No, right. That now, wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. All they wanted to do was lock us up. Yeah. yeah. It was it was controlling. The war on drugs. Yeah, right. it was controlling. Now, you know what I'm saying? You got they they you have kids. It literally before I before I left. They, one thing that we were doing at my old job, what they were trying to do was 
first they were trying, like how we're doing with COVID-19 uh, contact tracing, they were trying to trace back who sold who what because they were trying to find out who's selling this dirty batch of heroin in, the, in our community. They were trying to get people to flip on their dealers. They were trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And not even just that, they weren't even a, trying, they were trying to create it where they weren't going to arrest uh, drug abusers anymore. They just wanted the drug dealers. So it's like, mm-hmm. this wasn't the case, you know, in, 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 in the 60s, 70s and 80s. This wasn't the case where, where, where cracking no, no, cocaine but... was killing our neighborhood. So you want, if you don't understand white privilege, that's another example. I got a lot of them, but that's, that's one that's a real-life situation because a lot of people have someone dealing with addiction even when they don't mm-hmm. talk about it. So trust me, mm-hmm. it, it's there. So yeah. just that's shut fair, up. Yeah. And listen. Yeah. Now, um, before we move on to the NFC South, I did want to ask you guys or have you guys answer. Do you think um, this these comments will have any impact with the Saints this year or Clemson? Eugene, what do you think? Um, I think with the Saints, uh, you got a guy like Malcolm Jenkins in, in that locker room. Um, they they'll they'll smooth it over. They'll uh, you know they're gonna work because they all they all still have a common goal mm-hmm. and they still want to win they're not they're not going to let this tear their team apart but uh uh you got you have a passionate player like malcolm jenkins who's been doing who's been fighting this fight for years now and to uh to make it and you know malcolm jenkins was real was literally upset he, he was brought to tears by what you said mm-hmm. now they've talked they've spoken they've smoothed it out and but they, it's going to be a team meeting about it they're going to air out their grievances and then they're going to move on. I don't think it's going to uh I don't think it'll it'll sabotage the season or anything like that. I don't think they're I mean they're all grown men, they're mature adults. They're not going to let something like that get too far out of hand. So I doubt it carries over into the season. Uh, as far as as far as uh Dabo goes, I don't think it'll have much of an effect at all. Um I think he's uh he I think he's got the respect and loyalty of his players right now. And and just those young men, they're in a position where they're going to be moving on. They got their sights set on bigger things, so they're going to deal with whatever Dabo says or doesn't say. They're going to be they're going to deal with that for three years because he's going to get them to the NFL and make them millionaires. Mm-hmm. So I doubt that happens. I, I doubt they have any trouble there either. Either uh, most you'll hear about it is in the media on right. like the first week that they play. All Other right. than that, I doubt anything else happens. What do you think, Damien? Uh, I, I agree with uh, with Eugene, man. I mean, like I said, with the, with Clemson, th- those kids are they're, they're focused on. I mean, I know I don't want to say that they're not focused on the issues, but they know that they for them norm getting back to some normalcy and normality for them will be getting back to football. And you got to understand they lost uh, their star, you know, one of their star receivers, Justin Ross. To to a um, to a neck injury, I believe. So he's out for the year. So these these kids, uh, I don't think they're going to have that that type of issue in their locker room. Um, I think they'll, if anything, they'll bind together. Um, and like like you just said, they he, Dabble already has their respect and love anyway. Uh, but okay. the Saints, I'm gonna tell you the person I do worry about if any if I worry about anybody in that Saints locker room, it's Emmanuel Sanders. I think Emmanuel Sanders because right. he's out. He he's, he comes off as an outspoken person. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, Drew Brees is gonna have to make sure he mend because at the end of the day, he's gonna have to make sure he mends that those relationships in there. Because think about it, you get you get onto the field on Sunday and you miss you miss Emmanuel Sanders a couple times. 
Like, he's already still kind of salty about the, the comments you made. Now you got a pissed off veteran receiver in your face in the locker room. Like, what's your problem, bro? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm right. saying? Get it together. Right. Like, if not, bring Jamison. Like, there's so many different things that could transpire. But I think they will have that they have that conversation. They will come to a common ground. Drew Brees will play nice. And, um, and, and they'll go about their business and lose in the playoffs again. <laughs> shot, shot, and shot, that shot. is where we get back to football. All right. So, so I've been holding that one the, in the whole show. East. I mean, it's over. Moving <laughs> 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 uh, we'll on to the NFC South. Um, finishing up with the NFC, doing the NFC South. Um, we'll do the best pick, most surprising pick, and then the biggest sleeper. So, Damien, who was the best pick in the NFC South? <sighs> Best pick in the NFC South, man. So you got what? You got the Bucks. You got the Falcons. You have the Panthers and the Saints. Uh, mm-hmm. best pick to me. Um, with the with the was the Panthers, and with the seventh overall pick. I I, I love their whole entire draft. But with the seventh overall pick, I gotta mm-hmm. go Derek Brown, man. Um, one thing that they struggled with was um, I believe they struggled in the run game defensively last year and and they wanted to get better just as a defense as a whole um and you know they had spider you know with um you know um brian burns coming off the edge and coming into his second year kawan short still a force on the interior now you put Derek brown beside or, or in the same defensive front with um kawan short you got two big physical guys up front now and that allows your linebackers um, and safeties and everyone else that's going to be in that front seven to kind of play a little more free because they know they, they feel more comfortable, right? So they, they feel more comfortable about their defensive line keeping those big, burly offensive linemen off of them and off the second level. So I, I, I really think Derrick Brown is going to be a game changer for this Panthers defense. And not don't get, me, don't get it twisted. Yeah, he didn't have the sack numbers. He's not... He is not Aaron Donald. Don't get it twisted. Now, he's not going to come pop out of there with 12, 13 and a half sacks. But what he's going to do is he's going to push the pocket. He's going to force quarterbacks to get uncomfortable and move them off a spot. And then, there you go. You got your edge guys coming off, and they're going to be able to get some pressure. So I really love the, the Derrick Brown pick because that's a move they needed to, to make to make their defense better. So shout out to Matt Rule. I give the Panthers the best pick. And what do you think, Eugene? Um, yeah, I honestly think it was Derek Brown, but just to add another name, uh, the Saints getting Caesar Ruiz. Their mm-hmm. offensive line was already solid, mm-hmm. even without any changes. Now you add in like I'm. I, he's a player that I really like. I think he's just a plug and play. You plug him in that guard or at center, yeah. and you don't have to worry about the position for the next five to seven years. So they going they probably plug him in at right guard next to Ryan Ramchek, and you still got your Sarah Eric McCoy and Teron Armstead. That's that's an excellent offensive line right there, and they were already they were already very good. Um, so I think that is the uh, I think that is like probably one of one of the best picks in in the uh, in in the draft because they took a position a position of strength and solidified it even more. But you know what's so mm-hmm. smart about that, Eugene? They did that mm-hmm. after the Panthers took Derrick Brown. They wanted to try yes. to neutralize because they mm-hmm. they got Drew Brees back there. Drew Brees is not getting out of the pocket, so you know you need to make sure that Derrick Brown doesn't yep. get directly back there to him. 
So that's a good. That's a, that was a good pick too. I like that. Yeah, that's yeah, the old school. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna say that we've talked about that before. Of teams doing things to offset. I'm gonna do this because you did that. You yeah. gotta win your division first. Yeah, you that's the old the mentality of building your team to win a division. Yeah. Right about yeah. that. So Eugene, who do you think was the most surprising pick in the NFC South? Um, most surprising pick I would say is the Falcons grabbing AJ Terrell at sixteen. Not that that's a bad player, but it, at the time it seemed a little high for him. But uh, AJ Terrell, the player, he's not he's not a bad player. Um, a lot of people is going they're going to knock him for what a uh, kid from LSU did to him. Uh, kid from LSU burnt a lot of guys. He got a long body. He got a long body count. Yeah. Um, but but you look at AJ Terrell's body of work. And you see that he's, you know, he's a fluid corner, a tall corner. He can run. He he's a good player. It, it's um it's a surprise to see him all the way there at sixteen. I thought he would go, you know, later in the first round. But you know, credit to the Falcons, they saw a guy that they liked and they went and got him. But I think at the time that was the biggest surprise. And what do you think, Damian? Biggest surprise? I'm sorry, biggest surprise in the NFC South. Hmm. Biggest surprise in the NFC South. <sighs> I, I'm trying to to be honest. I'm possibly let me look at the Bucks real quick. So I'm gonna tell you the biggest surprise. So I thought about the biggest surprise to me. I, I knew it was the Bucks. Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. Um, mm. I, I had more of a fourth, fifth round grade on Keyshawn Vaughn uh, c- com- coming out. But <clears throat> when I thought about running back, you know, what I'm saying I was thinking, okay, well, got Rojo who can be a you know, downhill, physical, fast, um, north and south runner. And, you know, Tom Brady loves his change of, change of pace scat back and um, or that dual threat type of back, you know what I mean? The Kevin Fox, the James Whites, the Rex Burkheads, and, uh, you know, those guys. So I'm like, well, you know, Tony Gibson's there, you know, should be there. Or, you know, um, there's a lot of different – there's a lot of different backs in this class. And so I didn't, I didn't see Keyshawn Vaughn – being a third round pick, especially to to a team like the Bucks with Tom Brady, I'm like, well, you know, they're going to get somebody they could split out, run routes with, and different things. That's not really his skill set right now. Um, to me, he's more of a runner than a receiver coming out of the backfield. Uh, yeah, he may be able to catch the screens here or there, but I just that was the that was a pick that shocked me. I know the fantasy football world was like, well, I know who I'm drafting number one overall. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I took Clyde Edwards to Lair. I was a smart man. <laughs> but um <laughs> but no, I mean Keyshawn was gonna have those opportunities, but he was just a surprising pick, and I did not see him landing in the third round, nor did I see him landing with a team like Tampa. Okay. Eugene, you already did most surprising pick, right? Uh no. No? Okay, go no. ahead. Most surprising uh, pick. Oh no, I did. I'm sorry. I said AJ yeah. Terrell. Yeah, you yeah, said okay. AJ Terrell. So all right, so then, Damien, who's your biggest sleeper in the NFC South? Uh, Pick-wise? Um, yes. Hmm. Let's see. My biggest sleeper. I'm going to say... Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. But uh-uh. I'm going back to Carolina. I'm going to the fifth round. I'm going Kenny Robinson from West Virginia. Now... He left West Virginia, and he ended up going and playing the XFL for the you know the couple weeks they were there, so he can 
I think his mom uh, was had cancer, and you know he went there to make money so yep. he could take care of her and her treatment. So, for for me, just character wise, that, that's first round. That's first round character to me. Um, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, for when I look at him, he's he, he's got range, he's got size, he could play either safety spot in my opinion. But he's somebody I, I would. Even though they got they grabbed Jeremy Chin, I personally think Jeremy Chin will possibly convert into almost a hybrid to that hybrid linebacker role, um, especially with them losing Luke Keekley and, and losing some of that playmaking ability, that speed in the, in the in the second level of their defense. I can see Kenny Robinson being able to come down, face those tight ends, the OJ Howards, the Rod Gronkowski's, um, you know what I'm saying, the Jared Cooks and and, and um, Hayden Hurst of the world that's in his division. I can see them using him like that big corner, which I think that which well, how we talked about before, Eugene, when you think about tight ends, how we have Darren Waller, who was a res- big, mm-hmm. fast, physical receiver, but he just didn't separate enough to play receiver. But you may have he adds on a little yep. bit of weight, and then you put him at tight end, and now he's a mismatch problem. I, th- I that's how I believe who you should him, do it to a at, corner. Who put him at tight end? Who, uh, who made the, him do that? Um, the Raiders. He's a tight end. For, uh, wait, no, 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 no. Oh, no, oh, no. Uh, come on, bring him. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You, yeah, you, you suck at me right into that one. I got touche. Touche. The setup bro. is real. We did this last <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah, she did this to me last time. Man. I'm like, I can't, I, I can't believe I walked right into that. Um, I will not get, I will not be had for a third, third uh, show in the, in the world. So I'm just telling you right now, you got to change your, you got to change your plan because it's not gonna happen again. But, uh, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even plan it. You mentioned Wallace, so I was like, uh, you gave me the end. Listen, I'm not even going to respond next time you say that. I'm just keep talking. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like I said, for you, for me, I, you know, you look at these, some of these big corners that you worry about them being able to transition and play full time corner, turn them into a safety, make up that that matchup player, and put them against these mm-hmm. tight ends, man. Like that's the best thing you because some of these some of these like true safeties cannot come into the box and cover. They're not. They are not yep. there. So if I have, I mean, we think back to when uh, Brandon Brown became a Patriot. We uh, against the Colts and some of the other teams, we've, uh, uh, the Chargers that year, we put him on the tight ends because we knew he couldn't run with some of those receivers. And all he's going to get, mm-hmm. only, only thing that was going to happen is he's going to get called for holding and passing the fair and downfield. Yeah. So it was like put him against yeah. the tight end. So Kenny Robinson is my sleeper pick. I just I see a lot of potential in him and just a a versatile. Impact player, no matter how where they put him, I think he can he can have success. But like I said, go back and watch his his highlights and watch what he did at the XFL. He knew how to find the ball and make plays on the ball. So I would not be surprised to see him at that deep safety with Jeremy Chin at the strong safety. And Eugene, who's your biggest sleeper in the NFC South? Oh, uh, uh, two guys. Um, one, I would say back with the Panthers draft, I would say Troy Pride. Uh, six foot, one ninety cornerback. It can really run. Basically, he's he's a very talented player. He can basically do everything. His only weakness is like ball skills. Actually, making plays on the ball. He can develop that, and he can get by even without that. He can still be a solid player. Um, I think he. I think sooner rather than later, he'll probably take that starting job away from Eli Apple. Um, at the very at the very least, he'll be you know solid depth. But I think the, I think he's going to find his way to the field uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, the other guy is the guy the uh, Falcons drafted in the third round, um, Matt Hennessy. Yeah. I mean, how can you not like a guy named Hennessy? <laughs> so basically, but he is, but he's a um, 
He's 6'4", 307 pounds. His best position is at center. So he's he, he could be the heir apparent to Alex Mack there. Or you're, or if you want to plug him in at guard, he took reps at guard at the Senior Bowl. So if you wanted to plug him in there, uh, you can. Uh, he's just a solid player. He's not going to be uh, uh, some spectacular superstar or anything like that. But he's a guy that you don't have to worry about. He's a guy that can be part of a good offensive line. And, you know, he's just a, he's just, he's a pro. You plug him in, and he's going to be a, a solid player for you. So I, I think uh, so. I think those two guys are the best sleepers. Okay. Um, so now we'll just go to each team and, and speak about their um, draft picks, and then as I've been doing, I will rank them, and then you guys will tell me yes or no, and we'll go from there. Um, but, you know, looking at this, their record, like, I mean, the Saints went 13-3, and three, the Falcons and the Buccaneers went 7-9, and nine, and the Panthers went 5-11. and 11. Now, I, I like Jameis, and I've been a defender of his, um, but it does make me wonder if he had even half of those interceptions. Could they have won at least, like, five games? Like, yes. they were 7-9. and nine. Like, I, you, I mean, when you think about when you think about the yeah. Bucks, you think about how poorly – you think about Jameis' bad decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So if you cut those mm-hmm. down, they could have been – That's it's just thinking about, like, I, I – it's yeah, it really that's is. That's a winning and record. Even if they only won two or three more, that would have been ten games. So we look at you different when you're yeah. 10 and 6 versus 7 and 9. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll start with the Panthers since they were fourth in the division. Eugene, what did you think about the Panthers and their draft picks? Oh, I love their draft picks. I mean, they built the whole defense with the mm-hmm. with their draft. Uh, and the, the 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 good part about what they did is it's not the they didn't other than Derrick Brown, the other pieces don't are not wow splash pieces. But when you put them all together in that in one defense, you got a lot of speed, you got a lot of athleticism, and you got a lot of strength. And you got a lot of different uh, formations that you can uh, play in mm-hmm. because you're adding. I mean, they took Derrick Brown, you took Gross Matos. That's two. That's two very good athletes on your defensive line that you're already adding to Kwan Short and uh, and Brian Burns. So that's a legit four athletic guys that you got coming after your quarterback. And now you got uh, Troy Pride, and you adding him to Eli Apple and to Dante Jackson. Yeah, now you have you got some guys that can run at cornerback. So if they want to take you deep, you got guys that can run with them. And then you got Jeremy Chin, who's pretty much the X factor because you can put him at linebacker, you can put him at safety. I mean, if you he's he's uh he's he's diet Isaiah Simmons. That's what he is. If you want you wanna you wanna move him around like a chess piece, you wanna blitz him, you wanna cover a tight end with him, and and he and even in senior bowl practices he he covered wide receivers in in one on ones. He was all right with that too. So he's he's an ultimate chess piece that you that you can add to that that defense with already that much talent, and I mean, yeah, I love what they did with their with their draft. And what did you think, Damian? Uh, I agree. I love what they did with their draft. Matt Rule, um, you know, look back at his history. One thing about him, is Matt Rule loves speed. He, he and that's on both sides of the ball. And they drafted mm-hmm. some pretty good athletes. In the front seven and in the and in the uh, in the in the back four, the back end, um, and in the, at the end of the day, he knew. The, I mean, contrary to what people believe, their offense is fine. You know, they went and got Robbie Anderson. They have Curtis Samuel. They have DJ Moore, um, and then they have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. The main thing is making sure that offensive line holds up. Um, but 
they have playmakers on offense. What they didn't have was playmakers on defense, and they went and fixed that. They let James Bradbury go, but, you know, they have um, Dante Jackson from LSU that they drafted a couple seasons ago. They brought in Tony uh, Troy Pride, who I think will probably be a, more of a nickel corner, but he's a good athlete. Jeremy Chin, a phenomenal athlete. Utah Gross Matos, athletic. Derek Brown for his size, athletic. Like they, he wants athletes. He wants guys on that defense. Kenny Robinson, athletic. Uh, Stanley Thomas from Florida International has. He's a pretty good athlete as well. They, he wanted, he wanted to rebuild and remake this defense in his image, and he did just that. And it's not, it's not like he reached for guys either. He got not just a bunch of unknown guys. Like, hey, yeah, I spent every draft pick on defense, but you, nobody knows who they are. No, he got big name. Producers, guys mm-hmm. that were good yep. on the college level. Derek Brown was one of the top players in this draft, but the board yes. just didn't fit for him to go top five. But he was easily yeah. a top five prospect. So, <clears throat> so when you exactly. look at it, man, I mean, you, how can you go wrong? You told Scrooge Manos. I think his best football is ahead of him. Uh, like yeah. I said, Jeremy Chin, truly a hybrid. A hybrid player, like we talk about all the time, defense, uh, positionless defense, where you could just move guys around. Like you said, diet, a.k.a. light Isaiah Simmons. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't get the, the full taste and all the sugar from, from, from that you would get from <laughs> Isaiah Simmons, but it's not that bad. It's not too far off. So I'm mm-hmm. just saying I, I really love their draft, and, um, and, and they did a great job. And what did you think about the Buccaneers draft, Daniel? All right, the Bucks draft. So we all, everyone knew uh, coming in, the Bucks needed to address the offensive line. They got Tristan Wirfs uh, to help protect Tom Brady's blind side. And, and like we talked about earlier with Keyshawn Vaughn, um, we talked about the screen game. Tristan Wirfs, when we talked about just now with athletes, he's an athletic big man, like freaky athlete. So you think about that screen game, getting him pulling and out into the open, he can literally run with the running backs and make plays downfield, knocking guys over, you know, just leading the way for his, for his running back or whoever the case may be. <clears throat> I love the Antoine Winfield pick. He, we talked about him leading up to the draft. He needed to go into the, leading up to the combine. He needed to go into the combine to prove that he wasn't just an instinctive player, but he was athletic. He has athletic enough to still play safety, which he proved running in the four fours and, and jumping pretty well and everything like that. He's an instinctive, good athletic player who can really make plays on the football, and it's in his blood. It's, it's, a, it's, it's in the bloodline, man. His dad was a baller. Mm-hmm. His dad was a baller. So then, of course, you know, third round, Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, I'm, you know, like some iffy on that. The, one, the, the pick I really love, to be honest with you, <clears throat> Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. Because, of course, you have um, Mike Evans and you have Chris Chris Godwin, you have Gronk and Cameron Brait and uh, O.J. Howard and Rojo and now Keyshawn Vaughn, but they didn't have a... Now, granted, uh, Chris Godwin played majority of his snaps in the slot, if I'm not mistaken. Majority of his production came from the slot, but they didn't have, like, if they wanted to move him out and let him just be a a movable and and chess piece type of player, type of receiver, they didn't have somebody to just plug into the slot. Now they do. Tyler Johnson... Strong hands. He runs really good routes. Physical, strong frame, suited to to eat in the middle of the, the interior of the defense in the middle of the field and up in, in the seams um, to work the seams as well. 
<clears throat> I really liked their draft for the most part. Uh, like I said, the, the main pick for me was Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I didn't like that pick just because I felt like they were better backs on the board. Uh, but they addressed some needs, so, you know, they did a good job. And what do you think, Eugene, about the Bucks and their draft? Yeah, they um, they hit uh, round one. Tristan Wirfs, they, de- they definitely needed to address the offensive line. Um, yeah, my only the only pick you really question is the third round pick of Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, do you want to have a uh, running back by committee? Um, if that's the case, if you do, then you could have gotten a running back way later in the draft if you just want somebody that's going to spell Rojo. If you if you're looking to be if you're looking for Keyshawn John Keyshawn Vaughn to be your guy, your number one running back, then I got a question in your evaluation on that pick and the fact that and what are you doing with Rojo? So that's it's a question mark, right? Either way, in the in the third round, I mean Keyshawn Vaughn is not a terrible player, but at that point, it's pro- it was probably some better talent on the board for them to get. Um, probably the best pick, Tyler Johnson in the fifth round. This kid, I mean, he's got glue on his hands. He can he catches everything. He's I mean, you can plug Tom Brady's gonna love him. You plug him in in the slot. He runs good routes. He's not the biggest or the fastest, but he runs excellent routes and he gets open. He gets separation and he catches everything. Tom Brady's gonna love this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's getting a guy like Khalil Davis in the sixth round. He's gonna give you quality depth on this uh, on the uh, defensive line. He's one of those. Um, he shined at the combine with the athletic testing, so you know he has the athletic ability. But it's on the coaching staff to coach him up. Um, I'm Antoine Winfield in the second round. That's not a. It's not a terrible pick. Um, they're developing a, a nice little young nucleus in the in their defensive backfield with Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and now they add Antoine Winfield to that. He can use. He can get by with it with his instincts, and he proved at the combine that he can run a little bit as well. So that's not. A, it's not a terrible pick. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it, it, it's not a bad draft. It's not a bad draft. I would say the draft is a little bit top-heavy with Wirfs and Winfield uh, as your one and two. Those are the two you really need to hit. Um, and I think your your sleeper of that draft is probably Tyler Johnson. That he's gonna he's gonna be a player for you. The only one that you question really is, is Keyshawn Vaughn at, at the running back. But other than that, their draft is pretty solid. Okay. And what about the Falcons, Eugene? What did you think about their draft? Um, their draft was, I think, another one that's kind of, kind of top heavy a little bit. Um, well, getting in the fourth round, getting like a, a player like a Jalen Hawkins, he's gonna be quality depth. He's not, he's, uh, I don't believe he'll be a starter, but he's a solid player. Um, another guy, Michael Walker. He'll, he'll, he'll contribute on special teams. He's a linebacker out of Fresno State. He he'll contribute on special teams. I don't I don't believe that he's in the plans to be a major impact player year one. Um the guy that you really that I really like on on uh from their draft is Marlon Davidson and Matt Hennessy. Falcons always needed help in the trenches. They needed to get bigger and they needed to get stronger. Um on the offensive line you add Matt Hennessy there and Marlon Davidson is gonna do wonders. He can play end or uh defensive tackle at three hundred and three pounds. He's probably better suited as inside at defensive tackle. And then when you throw in him next to Grady Jarrett, now it's likely to be blocked. And then, of course, you got A.J. Terrell. He, he's probably going to be a starting cornerback uh, right next to uh, the other cornerback that they drafted is Oliver. So they're going to have a young uh, defensive backfield as well. So another one, I say the top three picks are where you're really expecting uh, production 
and help from year one. The other ones are just like depth and well, I mean, your punter should be a starter. You're definitely a punter. You better be a starter. But uh, that's about it. That's about it. But it's a solid draft given the top three picks. And what did you think, Damien? Uh, I, I like the draft. Like I said, for the most part, um, it is top heavy. But, you know, Moen Davidson, man, is a dog. He's a dog, bro. Like, he is legitimately a heavyweight puncher. That's how powerful his strikes are yeah. in his hands. He's going to help really help that defense and help them in the run game. And you could, like I said, kicking out to that three tech in, in the passing situations and let him push the pocket um, and, and give the help give Dante Fowler um, some more uh, opportunities and one on ones. Him and Tack McKinley. But like I said, you push him down inside at that three tech and that four three beside um, Grady Jarrett, like you, you're good. You're good. He legitimately, yeah. you are fine, and you you know you rectify and strengthen your run defense as well as open up. Uh, some opportunities against the pass because both of those guys can push the pocket as well as, you know, com- if they can both command more attention to the interior. Like I said, Tack McKinley, you, you want to prove that you're not a bust. Win those one-on-ones. Dante Fowler had, I think, yeah. 11 and a half sacks last year. We already know yeah. he can go after the quarterback. But Tack McKinley, the pressure's on you now. So um, I, I really like their draft for the most part. You know, just getting, like I said, I, I love A.J. Terrell, uh, Matt Hennessy. Michael Walker, like I said, Jalen Hawkins. Like I said, the main thing with, with AJ Terrell, um, you know him, him coming in, getting uh, kind of just like I said, refine, continue to refine his game, um, especially the strike window with some of his punches. Uh, you know, make sure his feet, make sure his feet and eyes mirror, and he, and he trusts what he sees, and, and, and does not, you know, get a little antsy because he can. He can get a little antsy sometimes in coverage. Um, but, one, you know, I think once he settles down and, and, and gets comfortable, him and Isaiah Oliver could be a good young tandem. So the, for, the main, for the main part with the Falcons, they addressed their defense, which they needed to. Their defense was not good. They did not have a good defense. So I think their defense, uh, you know, just depends on how, you know, how well they do in training camp and get acclimated to everything once we get back going. Um, the defense could, you know, definitely be a bright spot, you know, not this year, next year. Mm-hmm. So before we move on to the Saints, I just want to ask you guys, because the Falcons and the Buccaneers, I mean, they both went seven and nine, pretty much similar records um, outside of you know, home and away and things like that. But out of those two teams, who do you think has the better chance or the best chance to overtake the Saints and probably win a division? Mm-hmm. Man, that's tough. Uh, and I'm not including the Panthers only because I feel like there's still some questions there. Yeah. That doesn't mean yeah. that they doesn't mean they can't come out and be a dark horse and be something that we're not Their expecting. But right, defense but right. is young now. Like, that's yeah, so, so I'm not really. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't really have that many that much expectations for them. They, so yeah, they're, they're, I just wanted to say that because we have Panther fans that might listen, and I don't want them to feel like I'm leaving them out. Right. Out of the Saints and Falcons. I'm going to say the no, Fal- Falcons and Buccaneers. Well, they Falcons, Buc- the yeah. Falcons mm-hmm. and Buccaneers. I am going to go with – I'm going to go with Tampa because I think Tampa's defense may be more ready to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Keeping the Dominican Sioux was so pivotal. So yes, pivotal. Him mm-hmm. and, and, and Vita Vea in the middle. I'm going to watch some film on them tonight just because those two on the interior were so vicious against the Problem. run. They were such a problem. 
Did they keep mm. JPP? Did they keep Jason Pierre-Paul? I think yep. so. Yeah. I, yeah they, so you, you got him coming back, he, you know, healthy for the offseason. Then you have, mm. um, oh, what's the young kid? He led the league in sacks, I believe. Um, oh, Shaq Barrett. Yeah, Shaq Barrett. Okay, Shaq. So, mm-hmm. Then you have Devin White and, and, and Levante David. You got Anton Whitfield yeah. back there. And their cornerbacks are young, but they're ready. Okay? They're young, but they're ready. Carlton Davis. Mm-hmm. Remember that name. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually going to do yeah. a thread on him on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, uh, in a couple of days. I really like his game and what he's able to do. But, yeah, I'm telling you, I really think their defense is more so ready to take their next step. But then, like I said, you look at bringing in Tom Brady, you get Gronk, you, you know, bringing Tyler Johnson. That offense should hum once they catch fire. And at the end of the day, for me, everybody knows how I feel about Matt Ryan. He's a good quarterback. But I, I just can't trust him. With, with, I can't trust him when it's all on the line. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When you're telling me, okay, I'm putting all my all my eggs in one basket, I'm putting it in TB12 basket. I'm not putting it in Matt Ryan's. Yeah. And what do you think, Eugene? Spout yeah, I'm going to go Tampa Bay, too. Um, I'll, I'll bring in the coaching aspect to it as well. Bruce Arians is a proven a proven coach. He's, uh, I mean, and he's a very good, a uh, very good coach. Uh, he's aggressive on offense. He's got Ty Bowles, a solid defensive coordinator, and he's got talent. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, that Dan Quinn defense. He tries to emulate that the Seattle uh, cover three, but mm-hmm. you don't got that Seattle cover three talent. Yeah, right. you don't have. I don't see Earl Thomas walking through that door anywhere. But um, I mean, he can he can have him if he want him. I mean, you can have him, but yeah. <laughs> probably get a middle finger to him too. <laughs> but <laughs> right, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I exactly. <laughs> but I, I say the uh, the Buccaneers, given the coaching aspect, I think the coaching aspect, and you have uh, the veteran quarterback. That's ready. That's in win now. Both of them, as Bruce Arians is old as dirt. Um, they're both in win now mode. They're both going to be highly aggressive, and they have the talent to uh, to make a serious jump in the standings. Um, with the Falcons, I still question them in the trenches. Uh, that's been an issue for them for a while, because just because they're built smaller there, sometimes they get manhandled at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. But. Um, but ultimately, I say I say Tampa is in a better place to make a jump uh, next year. I agree with you guys, and I, I kind of hope they do. Um, I like Bruce Arians a lot. Um, I mm-hmm. like him a lot. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but the Saints went thirteen and three last season, the NFC NFC South champions. So Eugene, what do you think about the Saints and their draft? Ah, uh, the rich got richer. They uh, they only had four picks. But they was all they was well three of them was was good ones. Um, the uh, their last pick, Tommy Stevens in the seventh round. I mean, you kind of put him Hill on a back burner. Yeah, Taysom Hill yeah. Jr. You put him on a back burner, have him work out under Taysom Hill. You know, but you really uh, your first three picks, Caesar Ruiz, Zach Bond, and Adam Troutman. You can legit expect production out of the, all three of those in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, with Adam Troutman, the tight end, you, now you pairing him with uh, Jared Cook, so now it gives the Saints the ability to do twelve personnel. That's all, that's all going to be all the rage in the NFL. You got two tight, two pretty good athletes at tight end um, to the to deploy, and that also helps you in your running game. 
So he's going to add another dynamic to that Saints offense. You got Zach Bond who can really get after it on off the edge. Uh, they'll probably put they'll probably use him as a chess piece as like a, a strong side linebacker with the ability to rush or maybe in a stand up rusher position. But he really gets after the after the quarterback, and I'm pretty sure they they'll have a plan for him. And then, uh, like I talked about earlier, Cesar Ruiz is a plug-and-play uh, guard on the offensive line that was already pretty good. So I expect him to be a starter. So pretty much you got three solid players that's going to help you next year out of the draft. And you already have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, that yeah, they they did all right. And what do you think, Damian? Um, I mean, considering they only had four picks, they did a really good job, man. You know, you know getting Cesar Ruiz and – and Zach Bond and Adam Troutman, I, like the only Troutman is the only one that I don't think could have an impact, or probably won't have a, a big impact this season because they still have Jared Cook and Josh Hill. But I think for the future going forward, he will, he should be tight end number one in a couple seasons. Um, you know, unless you know because of the fact that we haven't had an off season, he has he wouldn't have the chance to battle it out with Josh Hill for that number two spot. Because when I look at when I looked at uh, Adam, Adam Trump, he was my tight end number one. I looked at him and I saw um, a kind of the two players that he reminded me of was Mark Andrews for your Ravens. And then I look at your Eagles, Eugene, with, um, with Dallas Goddard. He, is a, he was my tight end one. You know, Cole Komet was number two. Um, and I wanted the Patriots to get Adam Troutman because he, he, he fits the bill as that tight end of what the NFL wants now. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He can run routes. You can split him any and everywhere. He goes into the slot. He gets into bunch. He goes out wide. Like he he is become he's one of those new new age type. But not even just that. You kick him inside in line, he really can block. So yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I think he's a tight end for the future for them. But Zach Bond, you know, because at the end of the day, we always talk about you know, like I said, mismatches. They can they can use Zach Bond on the edge in some of their in some of those third and eight situations on defense, kick Marcus Davenport inside or kick Cam Jordan inside, and then you allow him to rush. So that's big. Like I said, Cesar Ruiz, man. The rich get richer on the offensive line. Their offensive line is good. Of course, now they have to get that camaraderie that in jail together, um, get the communication down and everything before they really start playing meaningful games. But on paper, talent-wise, they're legit one of the best offensive lines in football. So kudos to Sean Payton. And they have one of the best uh, been one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best coaches in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Um, based on what you guys, guys have said, honestly, what's, what's tough for me is ranking the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Um, because I, I, based on what you all said, the Saints won to me. Like, they're still number one. Because we talked about this before with, I think it was, was it the Redskins or the Rams? We're talking about them having a small, a little bit of, um, um, little bit of picks and needing to hit. So when you say that the Saints only have four picks and you like every single pick, I don't see how you can, you know, not, not have them number one, especially when you look at their team already. Like you said, it's like the rich got richer. So I have the Saints first and I have the Panthers fourth. Um, again, no disrespect to them. We love, we like, we we said this before we started doing this. Everybody really had a good draft. Like it's hard yeah. to point, point yeah. to one team and say you did bad. They so even with, these, yeah. even with these rankings, it's not it's not me thinking you know this is bad. But I, but I'm just based on what we know, right? So I'm saying the Saints. 
I think you can flip flop the paint the, the Falcons and the Buccaneers and and it really not be a big deal. And then the Panthers is fourth. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's the only that's the real debate right there. We got we got your your first and we got your last. Um, for me, I put Tampa Bay uh, second and then uh, Atlanta, mm-hmm. just because I think they're gonna have they'll be they'll be a little bit better. But I mean. Right. That's that's debatable right there where where they flip flop at and of course you know we don't we can't tell injuries or anything like that right but that's that, yeah the, I mean the the how I would rank them Saints one Panther uh Falcon uh Saints one Buccaneers two Falcons three Panthers four mm-hmm. what you say Damian yeah I'm right about that like because at the end of the day, you know talking about who you know, especially who can really be competitive this year? Like mm-hmm. off of just, of course not. We're talking about off of just pure draft. You know, for me, I mean, I think Carolina is probably a little bit above. I got to Carolina over Tampa off of just what they did in the draft. But mm-hmm. like I said, at the end of the day, those are all young defenders who. Right. And if there's one yeah. side of the ball that has to get adjusted in the NFL, it's the defensive side of the ball. So you got a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of guys that may see a lot of you know prominent playing time, a lot of playing time. They have to get adjusted. They're gonna be thrown out to the fire week one most likely. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, you know, you gotta hit the ground running with limited off season. So yeah, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, Tampa Bay, um, that Keyshawn Vaughn pick really gets on my nerves though. I can't lie to you. Mm. That pick really bothers <laughs> me. Um, I, I hate that pick. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate that pick so much. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go better have a plan at, for him. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go back and look at the other running backs that were on the board, man. Because um, yeah, I, listen, I would have waited and I would have drafted JJ Taylor out of Arizona. Yeah. You know what I'm you saying? You can wait on running back. Yeah, I could. I would have waited with Rojo. I would have had Rojo and JJ Taylor because JJ Taylor could have been that. That, like I said, that Kevin Fall, James White type of running back for Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Strong, elusive, quick, fast, you know, shifty in, 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 um, in the phone booth. Yep. That's, you know, that's what he wants. And that's a guy that he could use in those passing situations against those linebackers. But we're going to see, you know, not saying that Keyshawn Vaughn is a bad player, but he just, what for me, he didn't grade. He didn't grade well for me. So Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. they took him ahead of Zach Moss, Darrington, Evans. Let's see. Yeah, they could have waited at running yeah, back. DJ they Dallas. Did. They definitely could have waited. Like, yeah. come on now. Like, uh, all right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this week. Um, I think what we can do for next episode is let, let the listeners tell us which AFC uh, division they would like us to cover first. Yeah. Because okay. we're done with, we could done with the NFC. So we can um, throw that out there on social media and see. Um, who gets the most votes? Um, but did you guys have anything else you wanted to say today? I got twenty dollars. They say AFC North. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, <I> bet. Um, <laughs> I would not be surprised. I want to. I hope we can start. I want to. I want to start with the AFC East. So we'll see. You just want me to spaz out. What? That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's, let's not. Let's not wait to the end. Just get it over with. You, know, you just want me to spaz out. <laughs> That's all you want. You just want me to lose my mind. Um, you just got you gotta get it over with. Listen, uh, yeah, we, we're, gonna, we're gonna see what we're gonna see what, what the listeners say. We're gonna see what they say yeah. about the about the AFC teams, man. But uh, nah, I mean, what I gotta say is, man, y'all just you know stay diligent. You know, 
Uh, wash your hands. Um, yeah, and, of course. Uh, Carol Baskins did it. <laughs> Damn, oh Carol Baskins. <laughs> you know who don't? You know who don't understand what we're going through? That damn Carol Baskins. Baskins. I don't know. Listen, she no, doesn't understand look, nothing. She does because she does one his Z, so she ain't worrying about us. Oh yeah, she ain't yeah right. Oh yeah, she did. COVID <laughs> what? Protest what? No, she. I right. kill people, and I still get what I want. Carol Baskins. Right. It's gonna be a 30 true definition of a gold digger. Yeah, 30 for 30 by her. Oh, one other thing. Hey, if you have not, listen, I'm so mad I'm, I got late to the party, but if you have not watched mm. All American, please uh, watch it. Show. That show is good. Show. I literally oh, binged that let show. Let me in tell two you days. this, though. Let me tell you this. I told you I've been watching Friday Night Lights. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the first three seasons. I'm on season four. That's mm. by far better than the other three. Mm. And, the only, and, and the reason why I think it is because he goes to what they, what, quote unquote, the hood. And he's teaching at a whole nother school. Oh, so he's, he got a whole different breed of, of players uh, he's dealing with right now. So I'm only like four or five episodes in of season four. But I'm telling you, when you get time, that's a, that's another show. That's Because it's just like All-American. It's just white people. <laughs> and it's, it's some black people here and there. And, and season four is more, a lot more black people because, like I said, he went to a different neighborhood. But it's worth watching if you ever get time and ain't got nothing to do. It's on really... I might have to watch that this weekend. Start watching that. Get, get, get caught up. Get caught up on the. That's good. That's good. That's all I got. All right, yeah. guys. Well, until next time. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs>